Hey guys, we are beginning our study of discipleship, following the teachings of Jesus to his disciples. And uh, I would like the first lesson of our study to be John 15, 1 through 8. And it, this is what it says. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean or pruned because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Now, it may seem somewhat odd that we are beginning our study here in John 15, because this is toward the end of Jesus' ministry. In fact, this is one of the last teachings that he'll teach the twelve prior to his crucifixion and resurrection from the dead. But this passage lays out the heart of what discipleship is. And if we're to embark on a journey of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, we have to understand what it means to be a disciple, what it costs, and what we are striving for. In other words, what am I trying to achieve or what is God trying to achieve in me by me being a disciple? And he lays that out in this passage. I think if there's a central word that defines discipleship, it's this, abiding. Following Christ means to go where he leads. And too often, we tend to assume that we know what God wants and where he is leading. And we begin to try to achieve this destination through our own strength. So instead of just going to God and saying, God, I need you to direct me and lead me, we get an idea in our mind that God has something he wants to do. And so we try to do that. But that's typically not the way that God works. Typically, God wants to show us himself because his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we're never really going to be able to figure out exactly what it is God's doing or even necessarily specifically the things that he wants. We know generally the things that he wants. He obviously doesn't want us to commit adultery. He doesn't want us to lie or steal or things of that. But the specific direction God is taking your life, you're not going to be able to figure out on your own. That's going to have to be something that God shows you. And God is not as interested, I don't believe, in just accomplishing a specific task with your life. Rather, I believe he's seeking to have a relationship and molding you into being a certain type of person. Now, Jesus said the key then to following him and to being his disciple is that I have to abide in him. That is, I have to spend time in communication and in relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, you might say, well, how does that happen? How do I spend time with Jesus Christ? How do I get to know him? How do I dwell with him? And the answer to that is in the same way that you would have a relationship with anyone else. You have to have communication and two-way communication. I can't have a relationship with my wife if I'm just always talking and she's always listening, or if she's always talking and I'm always listening. It has to be two-way. And so we speak to God when we pray to Him 
And he's spoken to us in his word and speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. Of course, all this is still merely communication and not a relationship until our words are a reflection of our love and trust to him. And, and we call that worship. And his words to us become the direction and purpose of our lives. And we call that obedience. And so God desires us to know him, but he also desires us to do what he wants us to do and to worship and glorify and praise him. But it also has to be said that true discipleship does not come without a cost. You know, Jesus says here in verse 2, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And so God is constantly looking at the lives, not just of the disobedient, but actually of the obedient to see what he needs to cut away from them to make them more effective. So God might decide that you would be more effective if you lost a habit or a relationship, a job or a possession or even your health or maybe even your life. Whatever sacrifice that you need to make in order to make him more glorified and make your life more effective for your kingdom, he's going to cut those things away from your life in order to mold you and shape you into what he desires you to be. Now, sometimes this happens through loss in our lives. Sometimes we just lose a relationship. Someone dies or, or we lose a job or we, we lose our health or whatever. And, and sometimes God puts a conviction on our lives where we're called to sacrifice certain things like this. Maybe sacrifice a relationship with a loved one or sacrifice a job. Um, but either way, there is a cost to following Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has not called you to a life of making your own dreams come true. Typically, our dreams are things that we have made that really just bring glory to us and really just make us happy. And we say, well, I want to be a movie star, or I want to be a, an athlete, or, or I'd like to get my MBA and open my own business. But typically those dreams aren't based in what is going to glorify God. They're based in what's going to glorify and satisfy us. Rather, Jesus has said, abandon those things. Pick up a cross and follow me. And Jesus has called us to a life not of pleasure, but of purpose. But we also have to say that while there's a cost to following Jesus Christ, there's also a cost to not following Jesus Christ. We've seen here that the limbs that don't bear fruit, he takes away. And we'll find later that any of the limbs he takes away, they're also burned. And so that's to say that a life, even if it's a Christian life, even if it's a life that's in Christ that doesn't produce fruit, is a wasted life. And it may be cut short for its lack of usefulness. I mean, if you had something in your office or in your home that you bought with a specific purpose and it didn't work anymore, you might try to fix it. But if, if you're trying to fix it still failed and it still didn't work the way it's supposed to, you would probably just get rid of it or throw it away. And But the same thing is true about our life in Jesus Christ. And that is, if we're not effective, God really doesn't have a use or a purpose for us. And he might just say, okay, you know what? You're not doing what I've called you to do, so I'm just going to go ahead and cut your life short because I don't need you here and you're not accomplishing the purpose that I have made you for, so maybe you'll accomplish a purpose in glorifying me through my judgment of you. 
the choice that each of us are faced with is do I want to live a life that's easy and pleasurable but meaningless and wasted or am I willing to pay the cost but also experience the joy of following Christ and being his disciple and carrying a cross for him now if you say, well, I just want the easy and pleasurable life. I'm going to warn you that this study and this walk with the master is probably not going to do you a lot of good. It's, it's not designed to make you feel good about yourself. In fact, it may even be better if you just decide, you know what, I'm just going to live for me because you're not fooling anyone. But if you're serious about following Jesus Christ, then be prepared, pay the cost of what it means to follow him. We see that this is not without a purpose and a meaning. We see in this passage that Jesus Christ has a design purpose for us in making us disciples, and that is that we will bear fruit. Now, you may say, well, what is the fruit of a disciple? Well, I think by analogy, we can understand what that is. And that is, we say, if we take an apple and we say, what's the fruit of an apple? Well, the fruit of an apple is more apple. Well, the fruit of a peach is more peaches, and a fruit of an orange is more oranges. So the fruit of a disciple must be more disciples. And so if that's the case, then what that means is, the reason that I am saved and the reason that Christ has called me to follow him is that he wants me to glorify God by making more disciples for him, more disciples for Jesus Christ. It has always been the desire of God that the earth will be filled with people who will love and worship and glorify him. In fact, one of the first commands that we find in the scriptures is God tells Adam, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And we have to remember this is a time before sin. He doesn't want just there to be a lot of people on the earth, but he wants a lot of people who are there to glorify and exalt and magnify him and have a relationship with him. And so the litmus test of whether or not I am truly a disciple of Jesus Christ is am I about the process of making more disciples of Jesus Christ? It's no good in saying, well, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but I have absolutely no interest in making other followers of Jesus Christ because Jesus said that that was the mark of his disciples. He says in verse 8, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And so just a few questions for you to think about. First, if being a disciple of Christ means abiding with him. How are you making this a priority in your life? Do you have a period of time that you have carved out to talk to him and to listen to him, to communicate with him through prayer and listen to him through his word? Second, do you sense there's anything that God is trying to remove from your life? Do you have the conviction that there's some part of your life that God wants you to leave. And are you doing that? What, do you, what needs to happen for you to do that? And finally, if the litmus test for being a disciple is making more disciples, how do you measure up? Are there people in your life that you feel like God is calling you to reach out to, whether it's just to invite them to church or really to sit down and have an honest conversation 
about Jesus Christ. My encouragement would be do both. Invite them to church, and, and if they come to church, that's great. Then you have an opportunity to have a conversation. Hey, what'd you think about that? Or it may just be the case that you need to have that conversation anyway about their life and where it's headed. And, you know, if nothing else, you might say, well, you know, I've been friends with this person for a long time, and I don't have any idea how to start a conversation about Jesus Christ because I've never started a conversation with Jesus Christ about them. What do I say to them? Well, my encouragement would first say, listen, I owe you an apology because I've known about something for a long time that I know can make your life a lot better and a lot more meaningful. And I've been a Christian and I've never told you about my relationship with Jesus Christ. So could I go ahead and do that? But I want you to think about who is that person in your life that God's calling you to minister to, to reach out to. And then make it a point to do something about that. I hope you enjoy our walk with the Master and I hope God blesses you in it. Thanks for listening. God bless you.